Do not let the pains of your dreams and legacy steer you away from the task at hand. There has been no greatness won on the back of comfort. Bending, honing, creaking, and cracking under the iron is the column of greatness. It is the foundation of the warrior spirit. When you step under the bar, to the stone, on the platform, and on the shadowy competitive battlefield, embrace the knowledge that you have fought harder days. That under the burning sun that is our lifespan, you have faced the greatest demon of all, pain. For pain is the father of fear, and when you sit down with him long enough to smile and at his whispers, your story will live forever. Life without pain is a life worth living. Life with pain is a life worth enduring. Know who you are, choose your way, and never look back. Michael De La Pablo. Mm, a little bit of home cooking. Yeah, you know I've been using it myself. But like, what a dick! <laughs> <laughs> What's going on, guys? The Battle Axe Podcast. Always happy to be here and sharing some ideas and talking with my co-host and Baron of the North, Johnny Banks. What's up, everyone? Thank you for coming back. I'm feeling great today. I think our microphones finally landed in front of our faces. <laughs> I heard some reviews on our last episode that our microphones are weird. Honestly, I respect our reviews, and I hope all of you um, get into a chemical fire. Don't ever tell me anything bad about our show. Yeah, yeah, enjoy <laughs> yeah. that. I hope it hits you right in the crotch. <laughs> um, but again, as we do every time we, we talk about when we start this podcast, we always want to say thank you to those people that have helped us out. First and foremost, I always like to say thank you to the Battle Axe Shim and the Battle Axe Clan for making this possible um, and always being supportive of everything in the sport. To the BV305, Bearded Villains 305, again, just came back from the world meet. It was great to see everybody in such an incredible um, and I think we'll touch base on that a little bit, too, when we talk about culture. But such an incredible vibe, incredible love, and absolutely fucking proud to represent the BV305 and everything that our family and that family has done. So shout out to those guys who continue to support us worldwide. And Cerberus USA. Um, I know a new sponsor. I've been working with them now and just really badass strength equipment. So shout out to Cerberus USA for always hooking it up and honestly been, been taking care of us and my athletes for a long time. So, whew. That was good. Yeah. I think I had a busy weekend too. Yeah. 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 You know what? Thank you so much. Thank you for bringing that up. I love talking (laughs) about myself, but uh, no, no reality. It was a space coast strongman classic uh, this weekend put on by nil um, and total strength systems and stuff. So shout out to them for having me as an MC and just being able to be part of the sport consistently is always a a gift. Um, And just seeing, I love seeing the novice because it's like a bunch of headless chickens, but I respect <laughs> the fact that these guys are stepping into what was not necessarily a very light show, especially the farmer stuff. Beautiful venue, something I was particularly jelly of. Um, and just an appreciation for running shows and seeing how things were done and being able to help out was great. Yeah, sure. And just being at that level now where people ask me for advice, which is awesome, um, only because five years ago I was the one asking for help, so it's kind of cool to give back. Um and that goes to show the things that are coming up, too. You know, Nationals is coming up. That's um, right. Strongman Nationals, where 50% of you will win the fucking lottery. <laughs> <sighs> I, I, I've been kind of stewing on that since it, it came out. and You sent me that picture, I almost threw my phone. Yeah. Literally. I'm, and I'm not sending Miami, literally. Literally, I almost threw my phone. <laughs> I almost, I read it a couple times before I sent it, because I'm like, nah, Yeah. Nah, come on. So for some of you guys out there that don't know, at Strongman Nationals, traditionally, 
but only a handful or the top bit of each class was given the opportunity to travel to the Arnolds. So typically anywhere between 15 and 20% of the total class um, would be invited. For example, if there was 50, 231s, which is pretty common, the top 10 would go. And out of those top 10, if anyone dropped out, then 11th place would be called up and so on and so forth. This year, they opened it up to 50% of every class will go. So if there's 50 guys, 25 of them, or maybe one or two more, if there's like 52 or 53, are going to be invited to the Arnolds. Now, I've, I talked about this this weekend with a lot of OGs and a lot of old heads in there. First, uh, yeah, I think it does water down what it feels like to be invited to the Arnolds. Um, man, there's some of us, including myself, that have been fucking fighting their entire goddamn career to fucking get there. Shit, if it was up to this rule, I would have made it three years in a row to the Arnolds. I was 15, 20, 21st. I would have made it, no problem. And my first nationals, I had guys like the Hatch Brothers, um, the guy that owned Spider Tacky. Incredible to Barrett was there. I mean, some fucking killers, man. Um, Zach, well, he wasn't there there, but... And now just to see that 50%, man. And I hate to be that guy sometimes and be like, well, fuck that. And I understand that this might grow opportunity for whatever the Arnold Arenas is. I don't know if you read that part, but it's like a new kind of competitive thing. But it really just sucks because now I'm going to read things like Arnold Qualifier yeah, on their fucking bios on Instagram and be like, oh, you got to the Arnold's in 27th place? Man, look at you. You know, like when I got 15th on my first year, I was like, Next year, I hope I can do better, and hopefully. That year, they took the top seven. Yeah. And I was like, I didn't earn it, you know? If you've ever been to a Nationals as a spectator, it puts that into perspective of how few people go because it's an absolute mob scene with athletes. There's people everywhere. Yeah. And you can immediately tell, like, who your top five guys are or five girls. And to be able to, I I think, again, and and we're past this generation, but we all you know our our old selves are like oh, the the participation trophy yeah, award, yeah, yeah. <laughs> get a ribbon, yeah. But that's essentially what it is, and I I don't think uh, as a spectator, as you know, a very below average athlete, <laughs> <laughs> um, I just don't think it's right that you're stripping the opportunity for things like that to be earned. Yeah, and it, it I hate to say it, but it just. I understand it's a business and I understand that maybe because they're trying something new mm-hmm. that they want to fill it up and get it going and get that kind of momentum going. I can see it from that side. Yeah. Um, but that's not why I'm talking about it. I'm talking about it from the perspective of guys who have been battling for the Arnold's for three, four years, yeah. countless injuries, countless struggle just to kind of sort of try and get there anyway. It, for some for some guys, I think especially when you were uh, competing, the Arnold was the mountaintop, right? That was that was what we first considered. Anyone outside of heavyweights, that's what we called worlds. The Arnold's was worlds because it's a world competition. Yeah. Now there's like three or four different world competitions. You have 105 kilo worlds. You have you know the official strongman games that's considered a world competition. You have the Arnold's. Yeah. And I think there's a separate one considered worlds too especially the females are all over those places too they got worlds at the arnold's they got world strongest woman they got strongest woman in the world like it's all over the place and i get it you know everyone's trying to do their own thing and it's great for the sport in the sense it's a more competitive battlefield and stuff but to water down something like an arnold invite for the sense of business i understand as a businessman but 
it just kind of pisses me off, man. And I know, and I, you know what? That's the sentiment. You know, I understand like the new people coming up to the oh, this you know this is great. You know, I'm gonna apply and I'm gonna I'm now gonna compete. Now you're looking forward to it. I'm like, so you weren't looking forward to it when you were just gonna go there and get your ass kicked. Yeah. But now you think you're gonna go to the Arnolds and not get your ass kicked? Instead, you're paying for a four hundred dollar plane ticket. Yeah, so you can go zero five events. Absolutely. If you think the Arnolds is gonna get somewhat easier, I mean, here we go. I mean, it's, you got to step up for what it is. Just like that one year where they were giving the top four females of every class their pro card. I was like, that's bullshit. Yeah. And I said it to all of them. I go, you know it's bullshit. What they're trying to do is fill up the pro the pro class. So even fourth place was getting pro cards. And then you'd be like, and all the girls that were grinding it out for first place were kind of like, what the fuck? Yeah. But, you know, I get it. They filled the pro class, I guess. And, you know, you had a 140 pros and stuff. Well, they're, it's non-existent. Most of those third, fourth place people dropped out. Yeah. Because... That's what, that's, what you, that's what you get. I heard something to the effect of like there was Rogue was looking to step in and really start doing a lot with Strongman. Did you hear anything? I like heard that? about that and I almost pissed myself. I think that's phenomenal. I would absolutely love that shit because they, in my opinion, there's been very few companies out there that have given Strongman the fucking respect that Rogue has. Look at the documentaries. Look at the filming. Look right. at the equipment. I don't care how fucking expensive. They actually give a shit. They made uh, copies of the Denny Stones that are at the road. I mean, how cool is that? Like, literally, they got a machine to cut stones to yeah. represent the Hustafelt. No one does that shit, man. Right. God, that's cool. And I hope they do something with it. I would fucking, I would, I wish I was a little bit younger, but I would totally <laughs> try that shit. The thing is, too, is, is it's not like they don't already have a successful platform with CrossFit, like. They're all over CrossFit, so they don't need to do anything for any other sport. Right, and there's no more of a picky, blue-collared, stubborn culture than strongman. Yeah. I mean, they're reaching out to us, and yeah, man, you know, there's there's been people get mad because they're mad at Titan for copying their equipment. I'm like, I would be too, bro. Yeah. I would be too. I feel like Rogue is just like a bunch of like engineering nerds that are like, okay, they want to do 15,000 pounds. How can we make that? Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, what are we going to do here? <laughs> fucking beakers everywhere. Yeah, yes. <laughs> I'm like, I mean, I play World of Warcraft. Can I sit down? They're like, absolutely. I'm like, enhancement shaman? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm making the new stone. <laughs> Damn it. Oh, a horde for life. Um, those who get it, get it. And it, it goes to show you just kind of the, truly, the evolution and the change and the growth in the sport. I mean, look what we're coming to now, you know, and I'm not saying I've been in the sport for 30 years. I know guys that have been in there for a long time, but we're watching rogue documentaries yeah. on Strongman. Like, how fucking awesome. And now all over YouTube, oh, look at the new thing on History Channel. Yeah, yeah. Uh, strongest Men in the World. Yeah, in history. Or, whatever or in Strongest Men in History, yeah. The funny thing is, is I think two or three podcasts ago, you had said that the sport of Strongman is changing. It's evolving. Um, and you said that... That was evident in uh, in the way Martins is actually how he won. Yeah, at Worlds, being not a bigger guy. So let me ask you: um, How important is it for sport to evolve? I think that that's a good question too. We had discussed it a lot too, and um, here's an evidence. And we, I think I discussed it in one of the last podcast. But if you looked at one of uh, Post World Strongest Man video, and it's Brian Shaw talking about trying to lose forty pounds. If the strongest man, a four-time world strongest man, one of the strongest men in history, and one of the best in the sport that I will ever come across will say, things are changing, I need to change with the times. If he's saying it, and we can identify that as 
where we are in the sport, there's something wrong with us. And I have seen the sport change, A, when it got ridiculously heavy. Even, I mean, the weights that I'm doing or we're doing now at 231 were the heavyweight pro weights of like four or five years ago. Yeah. I mean, you're watching 175 guys do shit that 231s used to do. Yeah. So in that sense, the sport is getting heavier, but it's also an insane athletic endeavor. Like some of the guys now, I mean, here's, I mean, Anthony Furman, bro, like, yeah. That guy's so fucking athletic. I'm like, stop. <laughs> and you're 231. Yeah, he's... You know, that's why I say we're the best, but whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> we're the only one that matters. But, you know, the, the sport has changed also culturally. The people coming into the sport now, um, I believe, and here's my opinion, a lot of these guys are coming in with a, with a different mindset. You know, they're not the, I just want to be really, really big, strong, and fat, and I don't give a shit. You know, these people are coming from CrossFit, powerlifting, other ball sports where... They want to remain athletic. They're seeing strongman for what it is. In its essence that you need to be strong, you need to be fast, you need to be conditioned. And I would say it, and I said it again, the age of the giants seems to be coming to an end. Oh, man. You know? and like it's old the, folklore. Yo, word. Like now they're going to hide in the trees like trolls. But look at it. I mean, aside from, I, I'm, you know, Hafthor being injured was definitely a factor, but not taking anything away from, you know, Kaiskowski uh, or or Martins, but they're not. I mean, they're big, but yeah. they're not giants, and well, they're they look relatively fucking healthy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're they're what four hundred pounds with abs. It's kind of weird. Um, listen, so I'm glad that you mentioned that because if and and most people are they're following you as an athlete, uh, obviously as a coach too, but as an athlete, you said your career started as as being very athletic, agile explosive you then mentioned that your focus became strength what specific moment or or time made you realize okay i need to get stronger and put aside what probably i think you've said it before that it was your edge in a lot of competition your athleticism what made you decide to go that direction yeah, the white keeps since I came from a fighting background and a rugby background, right. um, I was I've never I still don't consider myself very strong. I've never been really, really strong. I've just I've had a good engine. I've had a strong mindset, you know, stubborn as a fucker. Um, I like to work really, really hard, but those are kind of I guess you coming from a martial arts school, those are my mm-hmm. I would run a lot, I can jump, all this stuff. Um Eventually, about after I won Florida's Strongest Man, which is probably one of my healthiest and strongest, I realized that to get a, to become a pro, I started putting numbers in my head. Mm. You know, I need an 800-pound deadlift if I'm going to be a pro. Like, I need to be log-pressing 350. I need to be yoking 900. I, I started to dive deep into that. These are certain landmarks that I need to do, and I need to do it now, or I'm not going to become a pro. I'm just going to get too old. I'm going to get too beat up. And I rushed some things. Um, this is just my personal opinion, watching myself from the outside. So, you know, things like focusing more on conditioning and running and sprints and stuff. I mean, I had a rower, never touched it again. Little, little things, unilateral work, um, stuff that I would do to kind of keep myself. I lost it, man. I could barely touch my cheeks. I was so tight with my hands. Like I was pretty much strict pressing from my chin and I was just because I couldn't get it lower, but I was strict pressing like 280. I was like, well. This, it'll come, you know? Yeah. Um, and I got blinded by that. I got really into getting strong. And I say this because I was a coach and as a person that just is in the community, 
And it makes me kind of smile when people say career to me, and it's more flattering than anything. But I see it. You know, people have this, well, I need this number so that I can be strong. And you start chasing numbers, and you st- when you chase numbers, you start neglecting what it is that got you to the lesser numbers in the fucking first place, was sticking to the basics, remembering that you got this, not only to have fun, but to be a functional human being. You know, mm-hmm. at one point, of course, if you want to be the most amazing person in the sport, then yeah, I get it. But that, you know, whatever, that, that kind of all or nothing mindset, but the nothing was just like, like nothing. Like I yeah. was really not taking care of myself in that aspect. And that's what I did. And um, by 2016, I was at my strongest, but my most broken. So just like we say before, and I say it in many other podcasts, you know, availability will supersede ability. Uh, just like what Brian Carroll taught me in the PRS family. And I had all the ability, man, but I wasn't available. I was so fucking broken because all I did was just bang my body into the ground. Every training session, extra set, extra rep, more weight, more weight, burnout. It's cool. It looks ugly, but I got it. Just selfishness and not, not having a hands-on coach telling me, cut it down, stop. Yeah. Um, so I got strong, but I was beat up. And now I realize that if I would have, the athleticism that kept me in the game, not hurt all the time, would I would wake up in the fourth and fifth event. Like, I was fresh going into the fifth event. Fresh. Like, I was like, mm-hmm. And people were dying by the third event. You know, and that, that was that was my strength. Like yeah. I, I could endure. I could keep fighting. I'm fine. And uh, I took that away from myself. And I see a lot of guys do that, especially in powerlifting, where numbers are everything. Yeah, that's true. So now, now with your training, would you call that another evolution or would you call that a de-evolution <laughs> to go back awesome. to an athlete you know i always say that if you train correctly you'll never start off on the same base again you know like let's say you do a really good strength cycle mm-hmm. uh, and now even at your worst you're never going to be as bad as you used to be and dave tate and i and i relate this a lot obviously mentally and physically and of course psychologically because that's what it's all about to me but Dave Tate was talking about max effort. And he's like, yeah, man, I'm fucked up. That's why I do max effort all the time. It's just the way it is. He goes, it was one of his posts on Instagram. It was awesome. I read it, obviously, besides the actual physical component, I also read it mentally. And he says, I'm getting older. Shit's going to suck one day. You know, I'm not going to be able to walk or whatever. But if I train my maximal strength and I have the worst day and I'm only at 70% capability of living, that 70% is better because my max is so much higher. So if your maximal ability is high, on your worst day, you're still better than most people. Mm-hmm. And I've always seen strength cycles like that. Good ones, good training cycles where you put so much work into it and you grow so much as an athlete and a person that the next time around, even on your worst day, you're still 1% better than when you started last. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to say necessarily that I de-evolved, although I like the question, obviously. Yeah. But I want to say that, yeah, you know what? I'm not at my best. I'm not. I'm not. I'm more tired, um, way more stressed. I have bled myself way more by coaching. That's just the reality. I've talked about it before. Mm-hmm. It's not no longer about my endeavors. It's 50, 60 people's endeavors. You know, I have to train on Sunday morning because I no longer have time. I have to train at the hottest part of the day because I don't have time. I can't. Yeah. Train at 7 p.m. like I used to when I had three people. Now I have 13 people at 7 p.m. Like, ugh. <laughs> Those are realities, right? Yeah. But I feel that even after my, my spine injury and all that stuff, that me starting this new change or, you know, 
being a, a stronger version of myself with an older version of myself, that I am starting mentally at a at a sturdier place. I don't want to say tougher. I've, I've been tough before, but I'm at a sturdier place. Mm-hmm. And I've had to change. I don't know if evolution might be the perfect terminology for me, but not all evolution always goes your way. But there's definitely have been a change because of that. And I, you see it in older athletes a lot. Yeah, sure. Because a part of you wants to go back to what you were. You can't. Like, I mean, you put me in the ground, and there's always going to be that desire to be that 24-year-old Muay Thai fighter that was fucking fearless. Like, I would just kill myself. And I'd be like, mm-hmm. Recovered the next day. I want that. The desire that I don't care if I get hurt because I can fucking deal with it. Now yeah. it's like, well, if I get hurt, you know, I got to fucking do this and the gym. And it's reality. You yeah. get older. Sure. Um, but I know that somewhere in the middle is kind of where I'm at, you know? Right, right, right. So, uh, I think that, um, in strongman, it's kind of misleading, right? Because when you get into the heavier classes, you don't see necessarily that you need a lot of athleticism. So I guess I, I say that to say, how important is it, no matter your size as an athlete to look for some type of evolution, some type of change as an athlete. Yeah. You know, what's funny. Um, so I heard the David Goggins podcast for the first time and evolution to me is always going to be synced with suffering because that's how my mind works. I'm just like that. I'm a fucking morbid sadomasochistic motherfucker and suffering to me is the key. I swear (laughs) I have never heard the David podcast David Goggins on the Joe Rogan podcast till this week. And A, I'm super honored to think that I have at least a quarter of his mindset because it's true. Wait till you hear it. If you haven't heard it, hear it. And then listen to some of our previous, even some of our quotes. And just to be someone on his mindset level, is I was flattered. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, that guy's a fucking badass. But when you tell me about evolution, when you tell me about how to evolve as an athlete, as a coach, um, or as, you know, as a general person, I believe evolution is met in the suffering of things. That's something David said, too, that we say a lot in the road episodes. Pain is presence, suffering. I believe that if you train hard enough, you will have no choice but to evolve. And sometimes that goes forward and sometimes that goes backwards. You know, you know, be it hurt. I don't know if that's necessarily a form of evolution, but you most certainly are going to have to change. You know, that arm does not work the same anymore. It just won't. Your back won't work the same. It just won't. Every year, things won't work the same. And if you work hard enough, and you, I guess you can say suffer enough, you're going to find a lot of answers that are going to help you evolve and change. I believe it's ultimately the most important thing any athlete can do is to adapt and overcome. And adapting is part of evolution, obviously, if you want to get really sciencey about it. And... Here's, here's something I'll, I'll relate to, because if you actually study Richard Dawkins' incredible work on evolution, and it's the whole giraffe concept. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. No, I haven't. Well, a lot of the guys that argue against evolution, they said, well, you know, they would say that the giraffe came from originally, like from a, some, some sort of donkey or horse. And they say, well, how is it possible? Does that mean that, you know, a donkey would grow with his neck and it just got to get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger? Well, how did it stop? Clearly, evolution is not correct, because... When did the neck stop growing? So what they saw was evolution as a series of little things happening over time. So 
in, in that logic, you'd think, well, the giraffe's neck would grow to 100 feet. Yeah. It just keep getting longer and longer. When in reality, we understand is that evolution happens like that. You know, you, one day, a donkey was born with a six-foot neck, some freak accident. Well, guess what? Now he can eat leaves from the higher parts of the trees. He can see enemies from further away. He lived longer than his counterparts. Then he had his kids or whatever, his, his breeds and his pups or whatever, and they were born with longer necks. And they can eat from better tree positions, and they can see enemies from further away. They live longer than the short-necked ones in that environment, and so on and so forth. So that's exactly what I feel evolution happens in training. Mm-hmm. You just wake up one day, with, and just something just happens. Yeah. Because you've put yourself in that position, and now you have to adapt and overcome, and you have to keep pushing forward. You know, it can come from a form of an injury, or it can come from a great session, more commonly a bad session. It's not a series, sometimes it can be, but it's not a series of small little tiny steps over time. You just, that's part of enduring, just through the suffering. And then suddenly, boom, you're the, you're the giraffe with the longer neck. What are you going to do with it? Because it's not going to live forever, right? Right. And that's how I've, you can relate it to that. Again, these are ideas that I see when I, I hear, like I love science a lot, and I see these kind of anecdotes you know, you can be that person that says, well, yeah, you know, it's just going to be constantly, yeah, those little series of actions and training will lead you to that one big bang, if you will. And then it's your chance to evolve. And then it's your chance to grow from there. And I feel like that's what training is. That's what enduring is. That's what evolution or, or growth if it's in everything. It's being ready for that moment because it's going to happen. It typically happens for us, for me. I don't know about you guys. Well, something bad happens. <laughs> I mean, that's just how it works. It's like All of my p- sessions are bad. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah, so I'm, I'm evolving every day. I'm fucking wow, what an athlete. It's like when you get punched in the face. <laughs> you're like, oh, got to keep my hands up. You know, I will learn to get yeah. punched in the dick, you know. Yeah, so for sure. And it, 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 again, these are just different perspectives. I mean, I like to bring that up. That. What do you know, think about evolution, evolution and, and adaption uh, in terms of a carryover to our everyday lives? What do you I, think how that how does that work with training i know that we we use training as kind of our foundation for life yeah right? yeah and I, I believe a lot of people that listen to this podcast listen to it for that reason um right. because it does transcend the gym and i'll be honest with you um i think that's the only way to see it i don't think that you should ever go into a training session saying this is not going to help me be a better person this is not going to help me today Today, I'm just, you know, going through the motions. Yeah. Okay, get it. But there's something coming out of it at the end. You know, if you go through the motions, Jocko Willing says one too, he's like, go through the motions. He's a whole speech about it. And he says that because when you come out of that, even if you go through the motions, you're that much better for not showing up than, than not showing up. Mm-hmm. When you change an athlete, you will be changing as a person because typically change comes from admitting that something is not perfectly correct, that you have to adapt. And that's the same that's the same kind of mentality that's gonna help you apologize to people. It's gonna help you say, you know what, bro? You're fucking right. Yeah. Because it's hard to do it by ourselves. You know if you're a real I'm not the best judge of person <laughs> for a good person things I'm really not. But if you feel that you're doing something wrong, the best athlete will identify it before the coach does. And the best coach will help that athlete learn to identify it before they do. That's when you know you're doing the right job as a coach. When that athlete comes up and he goes, I think I came a little loose or 
you know what? I'm a little tired. I'm doing bad. I'm going to drop the weight. I'm going to do one more set. I'm going to call it and go home. And you're like, yes. Because a real coach needs to teach them to survive on their own. That you as a coach have the opportunity to tweak and, 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 and nurture them and steer them. But they're the one ultimately that are going home by themselves to adapt and grow. And when you see training like that, you go home and you realize that you don't have a life coach per se. Right. You don't have a person telling you, don't be a dick or don't cut that person off or don't mistreat that lady or don't be such a piece of shit to your coworker. No one, no one's there like as a coach going, hey, put your belt on. Yeah. But if you have trained hard enough and you've dug deep enough, you will start to identify these traits within yourself. Because that's the same traits that's going to increase the longevity of your gym life will increase the longevity of your real life. It's, it's a fucking fact. I wish somebody would tell me I'm wrong, but, you know, I'm wrong about a lot of things. I am, man, and I've always said that I'm just good at being wrong. I am. I really am. But this time I'm right. And I know from firsthand experiences and just, just talking to everybody, especially people that have been in the game, and they're like, yeah, man, like, Going into that gym and crushing that PR allowed me to be confident. Yeah. Well, it also allows you not to be a shitty person. <laughs> and that's how I see it, man. If you can evolve as an athlete, if you can identify your training mistakes, you will have the same intuition. You will have the same ability to be introspective and search within yourself in your real life. Why am I not getting hired? Why am I not getting the job I want to do? Why do people treat me like this? Well, how come you're not getting 225 off the floor? Oh, well, because my hamstrings are weak, I work on my glutes. But then they go home and you, you're not taking that sense of accountability in your real life. Mm-hmm. That's because you're not evolving. You're not changing. You're not seeing that opportunity that you just did in the gym for free and for funsies because it's fun to lift. And you're not seeing that as a gateway to being a better person. And I mean better in the sense of better for you. No. I'm not a really good person. I can say... This is what a good person is all about. Fuck you, I'll steal your wallet. You know what I'm saying? Like, I wear gold teeth fun, but I'm saying. So to answer your question, I think it's absolutely one of the most important traits to hand down as a coach and to feel as an athlete the ability to change, to evolve, and to adapt. You know, it's hard to call a bad training session. Yeah. But it's also hard to, to call a bad day of life. You know, you want to just keep beating yourself up. You're like, I've had a bad day. I'm just going to beat myself into the ground. That is the equivalent of going four or five didn't come up. So I'm going to stay here for three more hours and keep pulling on it until I hurt myself so bad. But we do it. We don't do it in the gym, but we do it in life. I don't know because when I say by we, I mean me. I do some bad shit in life and I'll just keep picking at that scab because I fucking hate myself. I hate feeling. I hate feeling like I did something wrong. And that's how I feel when I feel a lift. You should see me. It's, it's a struggle. And it kills me. It hurts my feelings. It hurts my everything. My pride, my emotions. I think this is it. It's over. Mm-hmm. But it's not true. And I sit there and I go, okay. You know, it's a, the cliche, this too shall pass. I had a bad day. Stop trying to pull four or five. Stop it. So and I, I think about it when I, when I think about life. When I think about the decisions I've made and the mistakes I've made and the regrets I have. I can sit here and keep trying to pull those. Where I can take a step back and realize that I can I can continue to grow. And it's something I my coach Wes talked, there's very few people that can get to me like Wes. He says, Mikey, that's what they call me Mikey when I used to fight. He goes, <laughs> You can't change your stripes, boy. 
You're always going to be who you are. And you can't feel sorry for that. You can't apologize for that. But you can do things differently. And I, I sat there and I go, fuck, you're right. I can't change that stubbornness. I can't change that passion, that temper, that rage, that scumbaggery, that bullshit. There's some things I just can't change. But I can get my point across and I can move forward differently. I can still feel those feelings, but I can move them differently. Just like training. Mm. Okay? You, you, you can't get 405 right now. You're, you're showing me that you're upset, but you can approach this differently. And I promise you that'll come up. And that is absolutely part of the evolution. That is part of the change. That is part of what we've been talking about and we will talk about today. And I understand that people feel it because it's true, man. And it's, it's a perspective I have. I'm telling you, I'm not that good at it. I wish I was. I wish I could tell you I go home and I'm like, yeah, bro, I'm a G. Monday's awesome. I'm like, no, man, Monday sucks too sometimes. Yeah, for sure. Um, but that, yeah. That's I'm glad that, that you said that. So um, to kind of sidebar that conversation, because for me, it, it's kind of a, curiosity that i've had can you think of a significant moment in your coaching career where you realized that you were responsible for not only someone in the gym but their life oh yeah that's actually been one of the um, greatest and hardest things in my entire life i never okay so i never thought i'd be in these positions you know i always wanted to fancy myself like this Wolverine lone wolf that is just that cool guy that nobody fucks with and kind of comes and goes, but it's not me. I want to know how your day is doing. Like I, I want you to know that I'm having a good day. I yeah. wish I can. At 24, I would have told you, yeah, bro, I am that guy. Because even though I didn't know, even though I knew I wasn't, mm -hmm. at 34, I don't even give a fuck what you think. Yeah, I do. You know, I can be a lone wolf in the sense of socially, but I need human contact, I need human endeavor, I need, I need exchange, I need communication. And I see that. And it, it's, 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 I never thought that I'd be in a position where someone's motives, attitudes, habits, outlook are either reflective of mine or that they've taken my advice and made it their own. Like I, I, I don't understand. Like it's, I'm like, sometimes I'm like, I don't fucking get it. I accept it, and it's so crazy to me as an honor, honestly. Mm -hmm. And I tell you that it's been the hardest and easiest thing because that weight of that responsibility is hard. It's super hard. And it's like, I'm super, I mean it truly. It is an honor to be put in that position, but it's also a weight that is hard to describe. I, I cannot compare myself to somebody who leads people into battle. I can only imagine. But when you're in a leadership position as a, as a mentor, as I've been called a mentor before. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> you know, that's crazy. Sure. You know, it's, it's, a, it's, it's crazy. But it's been the best thing in the world because it's kept me alive, literally. It's kept me going forward. It's kept me searching within myself. Like, okay, you call me a mentor. And you call me a leader. What is it within myself that I have to continue to grow on and change or adapt and or evolve for me to continue to be that person? Because you, I obviously placed myself here. You've placed me here. But now I need to know why. And I need to know how I need to stay here. Because as much as I can complain, oh, it's ruined my strength and keeps me up at night and I get stressed out and, and man, it's hard. 
That's probably been one of the greatest things in the world. You know, I understand that when you have a child, and, I, you know, I always talk shit on kids. I, I just don't want one. But I understand that you, you have this little thing that looks up to you like you're a superhero. And I get it. But you chose to have that child. Like, that is something you made. No offense to parents, man. I get it. I get it. I get it why you guys have people. But I earned this position differently. You it's know, different I, when they choose you as opposed to, to me having it. That's your responsibility. And I take that with 100% pride. Like, I will literally cut off a limb for that. And it's almost literally that position. And I believe that it's been one of the greatest and hardest things I've ever done in my entire life. And it does affect things and it does change things differently. But you have to continue to earn that. It's a continuing education, if you will. Mm-hmm. And it's just been, it's been deep, man. I just wanted like to, to answer your question. That's been one of the greatest and worst things in the world. <laughs> does it have a lot of carryover to your personal life? I would say it's probably one of the biggest things. Okay. Because, you know, I've had some bad moments where I'm like, well, see, I'm a person that's very self-destructive. I mean, most of us are. We're yeah. a strong man. And a lot of things have gotten me out of darkness is knowing that I have to wake up every day and somebody depends on me. Mm-hmm. Like somebody is depending that I show up to work not breaking down. Like they, they depend on seeing my face and being like, you're going to get through this because they need me to be that position for them. Like it's, it's a need. Do you find that consumes you a lot? It fucking destroys me. Yeah. It is, it is, it's hard, man. It's hard. And I get it, dude. I'm not going to sit here and be like, some people don't understand it because they've never been in that position in life. They go out through their entire fucking life being a fucking nobody to nobody. You chose that position. Cool. You're either not listening to this podcast or you can fuck off. You don't like what I'm saying. It's the truth. When you put in a position where you don't have anyone leaning on you or depending on you, when you've never been, not I mean financially, I don't mean shit like that. I mean like somebody actually looks up to you because of the things you've done and you've never placed yourself in that position. That's fine, dude. That's why, like I say, no one's going to remember your name and that's what's something you like. That's the legacy you want to build. That's awesome, dude. There's a place for you. Have at it. You can live in a fucking shoebox. No one's going to care. That's not how I live my life. That's not how my friends live their life. That's not how my close confidants live their lives. It is pushing forward through example that somebody looks up to you and goes, man, if that motherfucker could push through, so can I. And that position is earned, son. It's earned. It's earned every day and you got to wake up. And I've had reasons not to wake up, just like you and me. When I, I want to go up and yeah, I want to break down. I want to break down all the time sometimes. I have fucking bad days. I have bad weeks, dog. I've had bad years. But when somebody is looking at you like that beacon, like that northern star, you suck up your fucking shit, you put your belt on, and you go to work. You clock in. I, I, I had this discussion recently. You have bad days at work, dog. There's some people in work that you don't like. There's some things at work that you don't want to do. But you clock in. Because you need to make that proverbial money, right? You got to show up and be something to somebody, and that's purpose. And you know what? I'd gladly be consumed by that fire. And I am consumed by that fire every fucking day, every day. And if you're not in that position where somebody looks at you, and you just need to crack a smile, like, I'm going to be fine. Even if you know, and you almost threw up in your mouth saying it, because you know you're lying. Mm-hmm. you're lying to them you're like 
you look and you completely look like a serial killer sociopath and you just change your complete mannerisms and you're like, I'll be all right, man. And they're trying to look at your eyes and be like, is he lying to me? I'm like, you'll never know. And that's why you can sleep at night. And that's what you need to do sometimes. Not always, but sometimes you got to clock in. I like that. That's really good. Thank you for that. Yes. Um, so you also mentioned that it just in what you just said, right? You know, you want to live in your shoebox. You want to be that contained person. When you're coaching or in life, I think that we find a lot of times, I I, I hate using um, like a physical abuse for an example, but there's like some people who just will never get out of it, no matter how hard you try to drag them out of the shit. Yep. They either choose to get out on their own or they live that life. And I I used to, for shitty terms, used to say, well, they're just built for that life. Like that's the life they've chosen. That's the life they're put here for. So <clears throat> as a coach, uh, as a friend, how do you recognize some of the people, because your job is essentially to constantly, I picture in my mind, it's a pyramid, right? And you are constantly going up and down the pyramid, and you're pulling people up onto the next ledge. How do you figure out, like, okay, this athlete or this person will never let me help them up to this next step? How, where do you find that? Where do you recognize that and go, okay, it's time for me to step away? Yeah, well, man, that's a fucking good question. That's probably the hardest thing in the world as a coach is when to learn to let go. Mm. Unfortunately, it's like relationships in life. You know, you, when you become, when this athlete or when this lifter becomes a part of you and is part of your life, I made an analogy recently, and it's, it's, a, it's a sports analogy. You could have a losing season. The Dolphins have always, you know, they're a losing season, but they're always going to be the Miami Dolphins. If that lifter is my lifter, you're always going to be my lifter. Always. If they're truly, they're my lifter, you will always be my lifter. You may have some losing seasons. I need to identify that we're going to have a few losing seasons. My only job it's not necessarily to pull them out because some people, you're right, unfortunately, some people cannot be. That's a fact of life. Although I feel that if you truly do it through example, you can help them build a road that they want to choose to take or not, but they know that it's there now. How? I'll have a fucking example right now. I got a guy that started doing for that CPAT test. Not necessarily one of my lifters. In fact, no fucking problem letting that guy go. No problem. I would not have I would not have missed a wink of sleep. But he's got a family. He's a father. He's a husband. And he showed up. I told him, if you show up every day to work, I will push forward for you. I literally thought this guy was not going to pass this. I told him, I'm like, man, if you pass this test for real, I'm going to be shocked. Because you're on bullshit. Mm-hmm. And he, he called me the other day. He says, I passed. Talk, I got goosebumps, dude. Talk about emotions. That pass allowed him to move forward in life for his career, for his children, for his wife, for his family, to his son to look up to him. My dad's a firefighter. You know what I mean? Yeah. How did we get there? 
by showing him that every day he shows up is a chance that he's doing something on his own to be different. Because when you use the term be better, when we say it all the time, it's so crushing to people that think that when you say be better, it means they're bad. Mm-hmm. You have to identify who is what and who can take what, right? Yep. You build confidence like you build strength. And some people will take a lifespan. And you know what? Just like that picture of that little person giving all those cubes, mm-hmm. some people will take more cubes from me and for nothing. They'll leave the gym. They'll talk shit on me. They'll fuck everything off. They won't learn a single thing. But I know that I did everything in my power to fight. That's all I got, Johnny. I have nothing but to fight. It is essentially what keeps me going. It is the fight to help this person. It is the fight. Look, and I'm telling you what, man. It's not that I haven't kicked people out, but I've never kicked people out who have good characters. I understand you want to quit. We all want to quit sometimes. You got to build them. You got to slowly understand that some people's roads are a lot longer. But if they show up to the gym and try, man, you really can't give up, man. And I, it's just like you know, people say, when somebody calls you a coach, I'm talking about real lifters here. I'm not talking people that show up to the gym to do fucking goblet squats and fuck off. There's a different connection, you know? Right, sure. But I've seen lifters give up on me. And I'm still there every day. I tell them, too. I go, you know where to find me. You don't, I can't give up on a person because that means I've given up on myself. It's the fucking fight, John. Like, I can't, I cannot. Now, let's be serious. I'll, obviously, if they're rude or, you know, they betray trust, things like that, sure. you know. Like, I'm talking about severe. Because I've been fucked over plenty of times and I've brought them back. Mm-hmm. Because there's something there. The job of the coach is to plant the seed and watch that potential grow. But the lifter is the soil. It has to be worthwhile. You identify their mannerism. It's in their eyes. I don't care what anybody says. Anyone here who's ever coached a person, you know what you're looking at. You can see a person's soul when they suffer. And you look, is it worth it? Most of the time it's not. But you need to show them that you're not there to give up. Because when they do leave or fuck off or stay or grow... They will always reference that because that's what life is all about. It's about the fight. That's all I got. That's all I can show them. It's hard for me to give up on people. I wish I could tell you, John, that I'm not that bad motherfucker that's like, fuck you, motherfucker. Get out. Mm-hmm. I've been like that. And they send me a text and want to talk. I'm like, all right, let's talk. Because I've been on that end, dude. I've been on that end where people give up on me. You'll never do this. You won't do that. Everyone thinks I'm up because I'm MDLP at 34 and everyone believes that I can do anything, that I grew up doing everything. No one, I was a chubby little fucking kid who got fucking picked on and I was a bad motherfucker. You think I did it because things were easy for me? You think I grew up in a family of luxury? I grew up with my parents that never gave up on each other and never gave up on me and that reflected on me. I'm like, fuck, okay. Maybe if I just keep fucking trying. So when I see a lifter and I see that, I'm like, I swear, and everybody will hear this shit, I'm like, ah, it's full of shit. It's not. Those people who know me, who've been on that, know that I don't just give up on bullshit. Mm-hmm. I can see that potential of heart and will. And you got to fucking toilet, man. You got to hone it. You got to sharpen it. And it sucks. If you, wanna, if you want a life of, of, of getting back what you put in, don't be a coach. You know what? Don't be a leader. Because leadership is 90% give and 10% take.
If you tell, I wish my fucking cousin was here. He tell the same shit. Yeah. If you got I, in I his business, for that, yeah. So if you know. think you you put him, you put the crown on because you think he was gonna get steak dinner and emotional glorification, it's not like that no more, man. Yeah. And I accepted that. So, you know, okay, man. There's gonna be some some people that have to climb up and down that pyramid a thousand times. So what? I signed up for this gig. Uh. <laughs> it's just, I wish I could tell you, John, I wish I could tell you now. As a, if you would have talked to me when I first opened the job, I turned 35 in two days. That's not for nothing. But I wish I could tell you that, you know, seven years ago when I opened the gym up and when I was 25, that I'd be telling you this. I would tell you no fucking way. Like, if the person's not worth it, fuck them. That's what I would say, for sure. Because I was lying to myself. Because it's easy. It's easy to tell yourself, I don't need that person. I would never do that. Like a type of uh, defensive tactic. Yeah, you're yeah. shielding yourself. But I realized, man, at 35, maybe I'm just getting more tired and soft. You call it what you will. But I know what it is to be let down. I know what it is to be given up on. Mm-hmm. I know it. And I make a lot of mistakes. But... When it comes to training, when it comes to strength training, when it comes to coaching, you have been given the ability to absolutely change someone's life. Mm-hmm. You're not supposed to take that lightly. I see it all the time. I'm their coach. I'm like, really, man? You're their programmer. There's a difference. And you need to understand the difference. What it calls somebody's coach, mm-hmm. somebody's programmer. And you need to stop. Just like I say, you know, handling talent kind of business. You know, I think that you and I are very similar in, in, in what you said when you said you find it difficult to give up on people. Um, and I think that one of the biggest things that we can both uh, recognize, and it's probably a lot of sidebar conversations that we have with our close friends and family and stuff is, you know, those people don't support you. Why do you still shake hands and stuff like that? And I, I personally feel like some of that is because I recognize who they are. That they'll never give me who I am, but I shouldn't change who I am just because they're not me. Right. Do you feel the same way? Or like, I know that there's, you MDLP in this sport, uh, in the sport of strongman, I think the rhino or, or even a bull in a china shop is is kind of a great reference because MDLP the the personification what you bring to a room shakes up everything that is like what strawman because strawman was blue collar right but nobody was walking to the bar with whiskey going motherfucker I'm gonna do <laughs> X Y and Z but still be blue collar right so they're doing the work so they had to respect you. But at the same time, you're kind of like this chaos and like, which was just a bunch of dudes and overalls just shaking hands. Going, nice to meet you, sir. Let's yeah. go have a beer. Right. Uh, how does that do you feel? like? I just feel like that's who I am. And I feel like we're kind of similar in that way. Although you probably have a better. It, uh, my face, I can I can kind of. Yeah. And I, it's funny you're mentioning that because I know exactly where you're getting across. It's basically saying like. How do you do when people talk shit? <laughs> and yeah. uh, it's, that came up this weekend. Uh, somebody that I know, he's like, "Man, you know, it's it's. I really appreciate what you've built and the culture you've built." 
And uh, it just always bugs me when people talk shit on you and they hate on that. And he goes, you know, you'd, you'd be surprised who it is. And I laughed. I said, I bet it's from people a lot closer to me than anything else. And I'm okay with that, John. Yeah. Um, I know this. The, the thing is that people, and I don't mean to get gossipy, it's the truth. You know, you, you set your goals out for something. Mm. And when you're on your way to success, you're going to run people the wrong way. Because the attributes to be successful can be perceived as selfish. That's reality. Whether you're an athlete or a businessman or a person, when you're trying to do you, people are going to perceive that as arrogant, as selfish, as forgetting where you came from. All this nonsense. I'd like to consider myself, I don't want to call it nonsense, perspectives. I'd like to consider myself a person that never forgot where he came from and has always been very verbal. And my growth call it what you will, has been exceptionally slow because of that. Mm-hmm. I, it's, it's taken me seven years to feel comfortable calling myself a coach and saying thank you when people tell me that they you know, respect my stuff or buy my shirts. It's taken me seven years as a gym owner yeah. and 10 years as an athlete or 12 years for, to me to sort of feel comfortable at 35 years old. How do I deal with that and how should other people deal with that? I'll tell you how, man. Someone is always fucking watching. Someone is always watching you. I like to stand outside of myself and put MDLP in the room, the character or whatever, and have Michael De La Pava sit in that corner and watch me. And what would he tell me on how I'm acting? I'm not talking about late night scumbaggery, drinking and being a fucking dude. That's my life. That's everyone's life. I'm talking about... When you shake hands with somebody that you know talks shit on you and you shake them and you look them in the eye and like, how you doing, man? And you put up your shield wall and you act like a fucking man. You're like, you really, that's what I like to see. I like to see myself as the man that I wish I could be. And I try. And that's, that's fighting for that. And we see it a lot in this fucking sport. It's rampant, dude. I get it. It's a human endeavor. By bringing the human psychology into a strength sport. I understand that. I understand that what I've done and what I've said has pissed people off. And it, I, some of it's deservingly so. Most of it, I'd like to think that the battle axe clan, it, the issue is undeservingly so. But someone is always watching. Do you think it's because those people haven't evolved? You know, I wish I could tell you why. You know, a lot of people will say, you know, people that are jealous of your success because they're not successful, they're jealous. Um, they haven't chosen that path. I mean, psychologically, we understand that a lot of that stuff comes from projection. Mm-hmm. They're projecting their lack of, of ambition or their lack of everything on you, and it's easier to just pull you down. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can sit there and tell you all the reasons why they do that. But I can tell you why the reason or the things that I do what I do that have res- that actually resonate, that actually a ripple effect. Mm-hmm. There's going to be some people that, you know, if they disrespect you enough, yeah, yeah, fuck them up. That's reality. Sure. But what are you teaching? What are, what groundwork are you laying down for your lifters? What, what are you, what doors are you opening with being selfish? Because ultimately, if I act upon people, it's just me being selfish and being that dude I was and just going to fuck them up. Mm-hmm. Instead of, this is how you're supposed to live your life. You eat shit sandwiches sometimes, but you never lose sight of who you are. Who are you? You're successful. You're ambitious. You're strong. You're able to look your enemy in the eye and smile. It's like fucking rushing into a hurricane and be like, fuck with me. Mm-hmm. Or you can take shelter. You can hide behind this little mask that you're not. You can punch him in the face. You can act around. And then what? Who's going to pick up the pieces? Not you. 
the people beneath you, they're going to suffer. Because mm. now they can't do this or they can't show her. That's your coach. That guy did this. He did that. It's not like I'm a fucking innocent piece of shit. I'm not. I've done my fucked up share of things. But if you're asking me how I deal with that, again, it's the burden of that leadership position. It's that self-consume. That's that flame. Like, this is burning me alive. Not to tell you to your face, I know what you said. Fuck you. Instead, I go, man, that was a pretty good deadlift, man. How you been? Ah, it's good to see you, man. Successful. I like that. Why don't you DM me, man? We'll catch up. Because that's what leadership does. You eat shit sandwich. That's 90%. Mm-hmm. The 10% would have just fucking let loose. It's 90%. And people should do that. I, that's just a suggestion to me. Mm-hmm. Granted, there's a lot of things that you, and this is obviously very subjective into the situations, but coming from me personally, I don't care. Because I know that when my, someone is always watching, and for me, it's Michael Delapava in that corner of the room going, What are you doing, Mike? Yeah. Like, what are you doing? And I'm talking about gym, businessman related. Yeah. I I know the kind of man that I want to be. I'm not there yet, but I fight. And typically, like I said before, many podcasts ago, it's what you don't do that people follow. You know, it's funny because I I had to learn really, really the hard way. And the world meet is, is probably a great example of what I'm going to get to. I've done a lot of things with the villains, two podcasts, this podcast obviously being, you know, one of the things that I take most pride in in my life. Obviously the training and stuff like that is cool. I have friends that I've known my whole life, almost literally, that haven't listened to a single episode. (laughs) Not a single episode. Mm -hmm. Have never said, hey dude, wow, I saw you hit a big deadlift. That's pretty cool. Congrats. Congrats. I see you've been working hard. You lost 50 pounds last year. Congrats. Never. But I have a guy from Finland who messages me every time. Hey, man, I saw you posted that you're having a shitty day. You all right? People I've never even shook hands with who will take the time out. And, And I think the biggest lesson I've learned is that I had to stop setting expectations for people that were not my own expectations of myself. Mm. I thought that was really unfair of me to expect them to, to do what me. you would do. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny because I saw the world meet too, how many people came up to you and came up to everybody else, myself included, completely flattered. Yeah. Um, with a whole community that I'm kind of like a, you know, the cousin of the family, not necessarily super involved, but, you know, and, and I like think Like it or that, not, you're one of them. Yeah, I totally am. I just can't do the handshake yet. I feel bad <laughs> about it. Um, I'll be honest with you. I think a lot of us deal with that personally, and I think that, um, I think that's one thing that ultimately will continue to hurt. And I believe that that suffering is important. I believe it's it's supposed to teach you a lesson, not to dislike that person, but to like yourself more. And that's kind of the perspective I take. I have to take it because I wish I could tell you that I'm this controlled, methodical person. Half the time or most of the time, I'm this fucking maniac animal that has to be 
coil down with reason and reason being family, culture, legacy, my lifters, my gym, those things um, have have kind of, I don't want to say I'm civilized because that's the worst thing people can become, uh, true killers, but ultimately somewhat locked down, yeah. just on, on a release chain. But I get that all the time, you know. Uh, uh, you know, I love my family to death. My sister's an incredible supporter. But yeah, some of my best friends have never read a single article or told me, well, it's really well written. And at first, especially when I started competing and fighting, it hurt me. And it hurt me every day. I'm like, man, how come this fucking stranger is coming to watch me lift and selling me and buying my shirts? And it, it would dig deep. And what that ended up happening is that it still would create animosity around to everything around me. And then I started becoming that person. Yeah. I started going, well, I'm not going to watch this person's lift because fuck them. Because that's what happens to me. And I think it's very common <laughs> when what I do, typically the kind of mental trick that I do is, man, I must be doing something relatively right if a complete stranger is saying thank you. And you know what, Mike? Good job, bud. Wow. And that fucking isn't, you know, us, bro. <laughs> yeah. I mean, everyone does, oh, Mike, you're so cocky. I'm like, you want to read my diary, motherfucker? <laughs> It's a journal. It's, it's like a journal. A, yeah. I don't know. It's a journal. It's a diary. It's got a unicorn on the front, oh, but everybody has that. Yeah. Duh. If it doesn't have glitters, it's not a fucking diary. Idiots. But that's my perspective on it. Yeah. You know, you know, you'd ask me a really incredible question about uh, earlier in the week that we were DMing about the scenarios, you know, about dealing with things that are difficult. And I said, well, some of the things sometimes you need to do, and I talked about it on, the, on a recent Insta story, is like sometimes you just got to do shit that you're good at. I loved that. Yeah, and then uh, thank you. And I, you know what, man? Like, this is reality for me, man. I think yeah. a lot of people in our day in society we're very hard on ourselves. Um, I think the new social norm, yeah, is to be hard on yourself. Is to fucking be like, I suck. I'm too fat. I'm too slow. I'm too poor. I'm never gonna be. It's okay. It's a, it's like the new norm. Side note: I'm all those things. <laughs> and and you know what, man? I I can feel myself doing that sometimes. Yeah. And I said, okay, Mike, well, like, Mike, what are you good at? Man, you know, I'm an okay leader. I'm an okay listener. You know, I can make people laugh. That's a fucking thing that we do. And it's a, I can see why comedians are these dark, morbid, self-hating, drug-addicted motherfuckers. Because I, I, duh. <laughs> yeah. Call me, find me in California, dog. I mean, but <laughs> you know what? If I can take one thing that I'm good at and share that with one person, it can fulfill that hole of the 10 people that are just fucking shitting on me yeah. or that I can't control. And I, I did it, man. I, you know, I've ha I had a bad couple of weeks. I had some rough weeks, man. Reality, life is real. I'm okay at gym shit. I'm not really strong, but I can train. Yeah. But I have effort and I, and I give a shit. So I showed up to the goddamn gym. Not because I think I was going to hit PRs. Not because I wanted to put on my Instagram, when life is hard, show up. Yeah, you know, I wanted to. I did it because that's, that's, that's what I'm good at. You know, it's like when I listen to that Contenders, uh, you put Contenders Motivational by ET. It's a, a mix of motivational things. A champion shows up. Yeah. I've been saying that for years. I mean, that's what it is. People refer to things like, Mike, when you were hurt, what did you do? I'm, I fucking showed up. I don't know. <laughs> I was scared I would never lift again. That's a reality. When you make mistakes, when people shit on you, you think, am I ever going to like this person again? Am I going to like myself again? I just had a fucking horrible mistake of life. 
I had a shitty training session where ever deadlift this again. We all do that. Have one bad deadlift session. You'll be like, I'm never going to deadlift again. I'll never get it. <laughs> it's just the way we are. Yeah. It's because we're hard on ourselves. That's yeah. what we want to do. We have one bad day at the office. Oh, I'm going to quit. Like, no one's going to love me. Yeah. You know, it's a super easy, our society. Well, shit, man. Like, so what are you good at? Oh, I'm not good at anything. Yes, you are. You're a liar. Or you're good at lying. I go, so what? what is it? Well, you know. Well, I'm, I'm really good at being a, a friendly listener. Invite your friend out to dinner. Everyone's got shit. Yeah. I'm just good at, I'm good at fighting, man. So what do I do when I don't have something to fight for? I create something. A new goal. A new endeavor. Something difficult. That's going to help me get up in the morning and be like, I know that this process is going to define me further. And that has helped me deal with a lot of shit, man. I'm telling you, man. I don't... I don't, I don't I, mean, I, I, I want to be confident calling myself successful I'm very proud Of what I've become Throughout my life I am start From where I started To where I am I'm proud I don't give a fuck I'm super proud of the people Around me I'm more proud of the people That I've surrounded myself with mm-hmm. Than necessarily Who I've become Although you know I'm happy for both And that's a thing That's a thing That it's been created Through effort And I'm like Man Maybe that's what my calling is. It's just enduring. I, I wish I can tell I'm not going to give up on life. I fucking won't because I already know what that does to people. And I've been there. I've been in that crossroads, dog. I've been there. I won't. I won't. And right when I feel like it's coming, I find something to fight for. Mm-hmm. And I get in that fucking gym and I just sit there and I'm looking at my fucking hands and they hurt. And my fucking back hurts and I'm hungry and I'm not eating and I'm stressed out and my mind is not there. And I'm like, people are watching me. Michael's watching me. Is this the man you want to be to yourself? I'm like, put the fucking music on, dude. We're getting after it. Yeah. And it's just, it's all I have, John. And it's sometimes it's all we have. Because, yeah, people say, oh, you know, because it's something you can control. It is. But you got to put yourself there first. And, I mean, that's like the willing says, man. Even if it's going to, I'll tell you what's helped me. Just putting on my training clothes. I wrote an article about this a long time ago for PRS. When I know life is hard, I set my training clothes out on the bed to remind me of who I am. Because life sucks sometimes. And I wish I can tell you I wake up every day and be like, oh, I have a great life. I'm going to go train. I don't. Mm-hmm. A lot of us don't. And some of us have reasons not to train ever again. But I set those clothes down as like my armor, as my reminder. I did it when I used to fight too. It's not something I did. I did this when I was training for fighting. I would hang my, my Muay Thai wraps on the door to see them and be like, tomorrow you're going to have to wrap your fucking knuckles and you're going to have to get after it and it's gonna hurt and you're gonna throw up and you're gonna be fucking beat up but when i see that armor when i see that sword when i see that shield it's there for a fucking reason yeah and when i leave it on my bed it's a little cue to be like hey man you're you're still here this is who you are okay you're going through the shit Mm -hmm. but that's who you are too yeah 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 dude you're you're kind of an asshole and yeah man you make mistakes that's that you can't take that off but I can put this on. Yeah. And it's something that has helped me training wise for 13 years. And it's just what I do. 
because that's that is really the definitive answer. Somebody has to fight. Somebody has to find out what they really are good at. I mean, I'm not. I mean, I'm good at drinking whiskey. Fact. I've never lost a game of drink, <laughs> but that has helped me do that, and that's helped me that same concept too, right? Yeah. When you're dealing with a shitty person, it's like I have to remind myself. Okay, they don't care about what I write. My friends haven't, all of them haven't really written my shit. I go, but I'm a good writer. Mm-hmm. And let me remind myself that this is who I am. And their bullshit is not, it shouldn't mess with me. And that's the only way to keep forward. And that's a business tactic. That's a fucking life tactic. That's how you're going to find success. Because the further you climb up to the top, the more distant you're going to feel from people. And it's a fact. Leadership, wow. I've said it a million times. It's super lonely. <laughs> you know, speaking of uh, getting dealt life's shit, <laughs> <laughs> which I can attest to. Is How many conversations is fucking... I don't remember the exact saying, but there's a, there's a saying that references the squat. Life tries to push you down, yeah. and you have to stand up. You have to fight. And, and, and do that. I personally, I don't, I don't really like that reference. I don't like it because it almost makes it seem like life is out to get you. And I think that mental perspective of life being out to crush you every time means that you've completely lost the little things that you mention all the time. You lost sight of the, the day you showed up and you had a good training day or you, you, Made coffee first, you know, like uh, sometimes I get a chance to make coffee for my my girl before she gets up. And that's pretty cool. And I'm like, hey, you know, like I did something pretty cool today, you know, like not the worst person in the world. As a strength athlete, what movement do you think most reflects how life treats you? Mm. The weighted carry. Why? I uh, I had a. And I love that answer, by the way. (laughs) That's so what we're going to name the episode for sure. But I had a situation with a friend who's been going through a hard time. And uh, it was a, a very difficult topic. It was a very difficult day. It was a very difficult week. And actually, he's the one that kind of gave me a reference about how my personality type. He's like, you're the kind of guy that pulls a sled. And you just keep adding weight. But you'll just keep pulling until you die. And, you know, he referenced himself as a person that just throws, like, throws sticks of dynamite. It's just explosive. It's a print, sprint, pop, 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 pop. Then he's good, and then boom again, and then boom, and then nothing, you know? But he referenced that to me, and it, and it, and it impacted me. As I had mentioned certain things like that before. Yeah. I had mentioned it before, but, you know, carrying and pulling weight, stuff like that. And it, 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 it really hit me that... I've always said it too, the max distance carries have always been, you know, burden run. I've always been a true test of character. You know, you can see that person breaking apart <laughs> and keep going. Facts. Fact. And to me, as much as I think the deadlift and all these things are great, the squat, I understand that. Um, but the weighted carry, I believe, is a choice. I chose to carry this object. It is it is with pride that I am taking control of my life and going forward. 
and it's an understanding that it's going to get harder every day. I get more tired, like when you carry. The pain increases. The weight increases. You can't breathe. You're starting to black out. You were thinking about giving up. You want to quit. And it gets heavier. Even if you don't add weight, every step brings you into a position. It's something like you would feel like you're down, but you're going forward. And you push the limits. And there's nothing more beautiful in my life than to step into personal suffering and charge fucking forward. And it's like they say, sometimes you move dirt with a shovel and sometimes you move it with the spoon. And that's the way to carry for me, man. And it, I love that the mooring bit has come into my life and is an indicative of life. You know, the first time you pick that motherfucker up, and for you guys who don't familiar with the mooring bit, it literally is like something you would tie down into a boat, like a big chain, the mooring bits, like a little big T. The first time I picked it up, I'm like, I'm going to black out. I mean, fuck, it's only, it was 211 empty. And I'm like, I'm, I'm blacking out. <laughs> and it's empty. And then I ran with it a couple more times. And I got better. And I got stronger. But it got heavier. And it got harder. And I was in more pain. But I believed in myself more. Just like life. You know, it'll throw things at you. It'll hurt you. It'll bring you down into some bullshit. But you picked it up. I showed up. It's hot. It hurts. And you pick it up and it gets heavier. And you quote unquote, you get used to it until you add more weight. Until you take on a new responsibility. Until you break somebody's heart. Until you let somebody down. That's weight. You thought you were good? You're complacent? Throw a chain in there, dog. Walk another foot. Take your belt off. Wake up tired, stressed, hungover. Reality. Now the same weight, <laughs> the same weight that felt heavy is light, and the same way that felt light is fucking heavy because that's the weighted fucking carry. It's life. You know, you you thought you were used to it? Bat. You blow your hamstring apart. You can't breathe. You got five feet left to go. You have one more thing left to do and you can't fucking breathe. That's not indicative of life. I don't understand what else to tell you. That's just the way I perceive life. It's just weight. Giles Corey, bro. I'm going to tell you a little story about Giles Corey, man. Because I don't remember this little bit of American history. Salem Witch Trials, Massachusetts. That accused people of witchcraft and things like that. And I know a lot of you guys understand that. Unfortunately, the next generation probably doesn't. For some of you younger people out there, look it up. The Salem Witch Trials, right? To Giles Corey. They had accused him of witchcraft, of associating himself with witches. He refused to, to say yes. He was a, a God-fearing man, but a good man, he said. They stuck with They stripped him. Put him in a dungeon. You can imagine a dungeon or a jail back then, just rocky, cold, they fed him nasty shit that was rats. For three days, they tortured him. Nothing. The only thing that's been documented, not only in the show and the play, because it's a play in a the movie, they try to crush him. So one of the, our, our beautiful history of humans, they would put you on a, on, a, on, a, on a stone platform, and they would place large stones on your stomach to slowly crush you. 
and then put one more and more until he would admit. If he admitted it, they would kill him, but he would be exalted of his sins. He would not be a witch. He'd be let, you know, either going to kill him or let him go, hey, you admitted it, you're good. But if you die, you die a witch, obviously. Mm-hmm. And the only thing God was Corey said was more weight. Now that is fucking badass. That is a fact. That is not a movie. That is not a fictional novel. He sat there knowing who he was and what he wanted and what he was going to be under torture, being crushed by stones. And Gallus Corey said, more weight. That is the life of a warrior. You don't ask to lighten your load. You ask for a steeper climb. You ask for more weight. I wish I could tell you that I think like this every day. I don't. Sometimes I wish my decisions in my life would be a lot easier. And I know there's a lot of you guys out there with a way worse life than me and harder. And there's some days where I just want to fucking unstrap that sled and walk weight free, bro. But most of the time, I shut the fuck up. I clock in and I say more weight. And it came to me, and I remember hearing this as a kid. I remember reading this play in fourth grade. Kendall Elementary, bro. Shout out. And he said more weight. And I'm like, wow. Like, how manly, you know, as a kid. You know, yeah, but, sure. Wow. Like, how, how, I don't know if I said badass back then, but something similar. Super keen. So, yeah. <laughs> cool. How cool. Um, rad. Rad. <laughs> <laughs> but I think about these things. And, uh, and, and and I think about how they correlate to to how I coach and how I perceive things and how I train and the kind of example that I'm trying to lead. And, and I understand that life are those stones, my decision making, my poor mistakes, my good, my good things. OK, I'm a pretty good coach. Well, guess what that comes with? More weight. I'm getting more successful in my gym. I can finally have a vacation after seven fucking years I can typically take a vacation worry-free because it's in good hands. Well, guess what? More weight, bro, because more more responsibility comes with what? More haters, more people that love me, more responsibility, more people trying to fuck me over, more people trying to get inside my life and inside my head, and where am I? More choices. Choices are weight. Yeah. And you can sit there and say, well, why me? Why this and why that? Or you can just say more weight. And I love that, man. God was Corey. We were talking about it in the gym. It just, I was in a bad place, and it just fucking came to me. I'm like, what's this fucking guy from this goddamn thing? I had to Google it. There's no way I was going to. For the record, I never Google shit, okay? I try to get it naturally. But God was Corey. I don't even know his name that anymore. <laughs> it's not 1682 or something like that. And, uh, and it was just indicative of, you know, how recent I posted something, even when things were good. Yeah. About the Morian bit and the way to care. We talked about this all the time. Well, I love Max Effort and how I think if thing dick Max Distance hits so close to life. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, you know, the message has always been there. It's who I am. I just need to do things differently. And uh, yeah, man. So I really sure. love that you chose the way to carry because in my mind, uh, so we obviously mentioned forward a lot. I think we say that a lot of times because we're telling ourselves. Yes, because it's sometimes I just want to lay down and be like, that's it for me, man. I'm done here. Yeah, I'm tired. 
But I like that you chose the weighted carry because in my mind, so many things have to be right with your everyday foundation, just like in a carry, right? Your feet, your core, everything needs to be in the right position or you cannot move forward. You can't take that next step without everything being loaded correctly. And I think a lot of the things that we fail at dealing with correctly is because we essentially misload the problem, mm. right? We we make it heavier than it, it is. It really is. It's, it, so for me, I think that's brilliant because with the acceptance of more weight comes the need to be more foundationally strong more disciplined in your execution of how you stand it up your first and second step your breathing your bracing everything applies to those problems which you my friend constantly remind me of because there's very few people that i go to with that kind of stuff and when i see you know what johnny i'm like this is what i'm gonna need yeah and you know i I'll tell you, man, um, somebody's always watching. And you can say that in a paranoid, negative fashion, or you can say it in a positive uh, reinforcement uh, fashion. Somebody's going to watch you pick that up. And somebody's going to watch your fight. And you can do whatever you want. You can, you can sit there and give up. You, or you can uh, you can approach it with cowardice and, uh, and fear. I'll tell you what. That okay. So today we had that that carry. I've had last week. I had that one where I was like yelling. I lost my shit. It was a really rough Sunday, and I just told myself I don't have a choice. I have to kind of cue myself in, like you said. I have to tell myself these things because I'm giving myself life cues. Breathe and break. I I have come to a point now where I've been coached and mentored enough by such good people in my life and motivated by such shitheads too that I can cue myself to somewhat be successful and go forward. I, I doesn't mean I don't look at others for help. I do. Typically through their actions, not their words. What they do. I watch. I see everything always. And somebody's going to watch you pick that weight up that you cannot carry and you're going to just fucking crawl forward. And I've written about it and I talk about it tooth and nail in the furnace. We talked about it, the dig down, remember? So today I woke up and I had this fear, a real fear. I mean, strongman is such a crazy sport because it, it puts fear in your belly like very few things. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know what? I didn't really, you know, yesterday was a very long day. I didn't really take care of myself as I'm seen. I was all in the heat. I have been eating the way I should. I've been stressed out. I've been a little distant. And I said, oh, man, I just threw on an extra 100 pounds on that mooring bit. Fuck yeah. That mooring bit was a representation of not only the physical weight, but the weight I put on that implement that helped me get through today. I needed to add an extra 100 pounds of fear, anxiety, Self-hate, self-loathe, disappointment, regret, 
pounds and pounds of that. I needed to add it onto that. Aside from the 334 fucking pounds of physical weight, I needed it to be bigger than life. I needed to slay a giant. Not because I use it as a way to bring me down, but I brought it as a way to build myself up and to show me and the two lifters that were there that when life kicks you in the dick, you clock in and you ask for more weight. It wasn't easy. <laughs> it wasn't. And the last five feet, I couldn't breathe. True story. I mean, if anybody's picked that thing up, it sucks dick. And I wanted to hurt myself so bad. And I wanted it to suck. Because I knew the moment I put that down that I was not going to be the same person I was 50 feet ago. I knew it. And I wanted it. And that's why these movements and this training is not just training for some of us. It's not just this thing we do to get on Instagram. It's just not. It's not because we understand that every time we, if those really fucking go, you step after that way to care, you step after that squat, whatever it is, it is your lift. Everyone has their thing. When you're done, you're not the same person. You have tattooed your soul. I fucking have said that on every episode with effort. I feel like my soul is that movie Memento. You remember that movie Memento? A lot of people don't remember it. This guy has an issue with memories. And he can't remember. The movie is very confusing. But he has to tattoo things on his skin that he doesn't need to forget. I do remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember when I saw that movie as a kid. I think I was 17 when I saw that. That was the first thing that kind of inspired me to get a bunch of quotes on my body because I thought it looked cool. Well, 17 years later, I go, I feel like that's my soul. Just tattooed with little things. They're all not all positive. But I just wanted that because after today, I tell you what, man, I hit that PR today. I, I started with a 210 and uh, I'm not at my best. And I know, you know what, man, I know that for some people, they can probably fucking pick that up and run 100 feet with 340, 334 and literally it'll tickle their dick. But that, that's actually just more motivating for me. But I needed it because I wanted it to be bigger than life. And you know what, man, I fucking did it. I did it. I clocked in. I did it. I put every little chain link. And what are you doing when you do shit in the gym? You're figuring shit out. Mm -hmm. You're devising. That's why I love strong man. Strategy, little tricks and cheats and changes and here and there. And you get it done. And we show up to this fucking podcast with the weight of the world. And you get that shit done too. And that's when you asked him that question earlier. How does it, should it, or how does the evolution change? Well, look at the evolution of that of that carry two months ago. I was like, "There's, I think 300 is going to break me in half. And at my worst, and I'm not saying my worst per se, but not at my best, we out here. And it's not like I'm out there with headphones or I can hear a particular, once you pick that bitch up, pff, the only sound in your head is fucking, <coughs> you know, there's no fucking, there's no motivational song right there. I, you can hear it at the beginning of the video. Oh, Mike's playing his speech. And then I pick that bitch up. I'm like, where in the world am I right now? Why? The melodies of suffering. Yeah, exactly. I hear my bones crushing. What a cute sound. Am I about to poop myself? But so, you, you know, you, you, you do these things consistently. Um, and you, that's how you do it, right? So I will reference today, like I did last week. I referenced it. So last week I, I did the 303 as a PR. Mm -hmm. Everything's kind of a PR right now because I just started to explore this movement. 
But I told myself, man, Michael, you did it last week and you were worse last week. I go, I know you're scared. And I'm talking to myself. I talk to myself a lot like an insane person. We all do, especially in the shower. I'm like, yo, but you, you've been through worse, man. I'm like, get your shit together. And clock in. And I'm talking to myself. I try to rationalize. I'm like, yeah, well, yeah, okay. <laughs> you got me there, you Michael. You got me, but damn it, Mike, you're so <laughs> handsome. And, I, and, I, and so when I, when I tell people why I'm so passionate about this stuff and why, it's because it's, it's been saving my life for a long time. Mm. And I think a lot of us can say that. And it's reflective. It's reflective of the human endeavor to try and do something and then accomplish it. Mm-hmm. You know, and even when things don't go your way, look, I had a bad deadlift session last week. I was upset. Like, it just, bro, I just, I didn't want to eat. You know, I had a, I just I didn't do anything. Yeah. And, you know, I could talk to everybody. And I went home. I woke up the next day. I'm like, okay, man, I can't wait for next week because I'm going to show life, quote unquote, deadlift, that I'm still here. And it's just a way, and you have to surround yourself with people that have the same mentality. And uh, yeah, man, if you're going to talk about that way to fucking carry, man, Giles Corey, dude. <laughs> and then you, you get really, you have to see things like that. Things have different meanings. If you're searching for an answer, it's everywhere. You can get as philosophical as you want. This wow. is reality, man. That's, if, a good, that's a good quote. If you really, lo- if you really love something, you're going to find answers and motivation everywhere. There's just no such thing as little things. You will find a way to get up. I'm telling you, I can see a pair of lifting shoes, and that's sometimes just enough to belt up. That's all I need. I can touch my leather belt. I can feel it in my mind right now. There's a stitching. It's an inzer. She's old. She's like seven years old. And it's a stitching that I know is a little old, and I can feel it on the little lumps of my uh, calluses on my thumb. And I can hear the little ring of the belt, and that little that makes me want to armor up. Yeah, because it's quote unquote those little things that when you don't have that, when you no longer have that belt, you can't lift anymore. You don't have that person. Yeah, memories is all you got. It's a sad day, so you got to get it while you got it. And a lot of those people that hate on other people. And they'll succeed is because they've never lost anything in their life. And I say it all the time. I said, if you're if you're not out there proactively trying to be a better friend or a better family member, you haven't lost something. Everyone's lost something. Maybe you just didn't learn your lesson. Mm. I see it all the time. Well, <laughs> uh, that's stupid. Uh, can we gotta edit emotions out of here? Is that an emotion edit? Yeah, I think there's a maybe we can do like an uh, like one of those old school uh, audience applauses or something. Yeah, dude. Oh, remember Family Guy? <laughs> We're gonna have a band play sad music, and it it, it it it's funny because you, you I'd like to paint myself a person that doesn't necessarily have to be going through shit to see shit. Mm. Um, but fuck, you know, like it's been a difficult year for me because I'm a lot busier now. Yeah. And I, and I, and I talked and I wanted to bring this up because I know there's a lot of people out there that have asked me about, uh, getting older in the sport, uh, or being busier and stuff. And, 
I guess I can correlate this to my birthday. I'm mean, going to have a birthday party soon. I turned 35 on, on two days, and it's my best friend who I lost a few years ago. It's his birthday Saturday, and I think it's just awesome to have that at the same time. And, of course, it's going to be it's going to be an emotional fucking day, and I know what's coming, and I know the weight, and I know that that carry on Saturday is going to be fucking tough because it is. Yeah. And that's just reality. At 35, I have to see things much differently. I talked to my coach. He's like, Mikey, how old are you? You're 35. Oh, you're just a baby. I laughed because he's always said that. And I said, I accept that. I accept that I have a lot to learn and I have a lot of things to evolve and honestly, some things that I kind of have to change and do differently. And we got asked this question before about, you know, being older in the sport. Look, I'm 35 in a sport that's getting faster. How do I need to train? Well, I need to do less. I guess it's what I don't do. I need to drink less. I need to eat better in a sense or let go of bad foods. The same philosophy I had in 2017, I need to regrow. I need to replant. I have new soil. I am new soil. I'm different. 2017 has given me a better pot and soil. I have a new thing. It might be the same seed, but it won't produce the same we say cosecha, like the same product or farming or fruit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we got to do things differently, man. I need to express myself differently. I can still have the fire in my belly, but I got to train differently. And that's fucking okay because someone is always watching you. What kind of message would you like to show somebody? By all means, I don't consider myself on the fucking, you know, twilight years of my existence. I don't believe that I'm at the twilight of my strength career. I believe that some things are coming. Like I told you, I've been getting my athleticism back. Mm-hmm. And I've lost some strength in the endeavor. But the process of getting my athleticism back was much harder than training for strength because it's everything I didn't want to do. And that was something that I tell people all the time. When you're starting to grow in your sport, when you're starting to grow in your business, you're constantly searching for, you know, and they say it too, the answer's always been within. But I believe that to be fucking true. I mean, like I said earlier, you can't really change who you are but you can do things differently. And that is something that's so so much deeper than the simplicity. I can still get my point across without being this super cursy, aggressive fucking guy that you know I, I want to portray sometimes. I can also get my message across by not saying a goddamn word. Oh, I know you do that to me all the time. I know, I love Piece it. Piece of shit. Yeah, I know. I like to leave a text. Like, I hate like, when you do this thing with yeah. the arms and you go... I go, oh. You cock your head to the side oh. and give me that fucking, I hate that so much. <laughs> and then I'm like, fine. It, it There's no words at all. And I'm just like, all right, I get it. Ultimately, I mean, silence. Yeah. And sometimes I need to be silent with myself. I need to just hear shit out. That'll say the most, right? Silence mm. is, sometimes Almost silence all is the, the loudest. Time. God, the worst. Like when I, as an example, you get to something that you thought was always there and it's gone and it's quiet. Oh, that's pain. You know, you you sit there and you have all these things kind of planned out. You know, you're training and stuff, and it's it's not there, and it's quiet because you're not training as much anymore. All the plans you have are different now. It's quiet because being busy is sound. Yeah, you know, white being, noise. Yeah, being active is a sound yeah. in your in your in your day to day habits. Sometimes you need to take that step back. You need to be quiet and you need to hear yourself out. And I mean this mentally and physically. 
You want to put on your music? You want to get in your zone with your pre-workout? I get you. I hear you. But when's the last time you've been quiet about your training session and really observed it for what it is? Are you really on point or are you just lifting with your ego? Are you hurt and you're just ignoring it because you're so busy getting caught up on Instagram and watching other motherfuckers lift that you have no idea what you're doing? And I, and I like to correlate that constantly with life, you know? I'm a person that's very extroverted. I mean, I, I am opinionated, uh, typically under the comfort of my friends. I'm not a person that's always going to jump on you. Um, and I've had, you know, this year to reflect on silence. And I had 2017 was my quietest year. And I'm turning 35 now. And I need to understand that that's probably the perspective that I that I need to, to ground the most. And if you want to correlate it to something, that weighted carry, man, there is no fucking sound when you're picking up something so heavy that you're dying. It is, it, uh, it's a weird feeling. There is, I, I can't tell you I heard anything but the sounds of my breath and the sounds of my effort. And maybe maybe that's exactly what we all need. And I thought about the, making this episode like something. I'm going into my 34th, 35th year. And, you know, I had all these plans for like, oh, I'm going to get a six pack and fucking get ripped and, you know, <laughs> and enjoy yeah. it. And, you know, just set these fucking January things. 1st. Yeah, every year. <laughs> and um, I know that things need to be in my training, for example. You know, I'm not really where I want to be. Do you think you ever get there? Never. Because That's I'll fight. just add more weight. That's the fight. Yeah. And um I'm kinda I'm I'm appreciative of that of that notice that now I've I found peace within that perspective. Yeah. You know, I found peace within the forest fire. And some of us out here that have listened to us and I I would say most of us have our inner demons. Mm. And we have these grandiose battles you know this david and goliath perspective mm-hmm. um and i don't know if i talked about this in one of my old episodes you know sometimes we just get in the zone and i forget and i heard about this writer who talked about david and goliath and he said it's not necessarily a story about the small man beating this giant and the book had correlated that goliath had forgotten his glasses. He had a, a seeing issue. He couldn't see David physically, literally. So David slayed him. Now, when you look at that perspective on a much more intrinsic and philosophical perspective, obviously, you start to know that the bigger you become, the harder it is for you to look back and see the bottom and see the small man. So it wasn't only necessary that the little person or or your endeavor finally overcame this giant like what i was saying earlier too there's another perspective when you're at a certain point in life sometimes you're too big to see what's in front of you and it's going to fuck you (laughs) and that is indicative of training it is indicative of life you get in these positions where you have built yourself up to be this thing that maybe you are not and you forget your glasses. You can't no longer be happy with the deadlift that you got because you forgot what it looked like when they told you you'd never lift again. 
you forget, you get caught up in these circles of people somewhat telling you that you need to keep going. You lose sight of yourself because David is the person in the mirror. That is you. You're that small person fighting forward, fighting giants. And sometimes it's better to stay there. Sometimes it's better to keep that fight, to be throwing that stone. Not saying always. Some of us walk in the path of giants. Some of us are in a position of being giants. We are giants to some people. Some of you out there are a giant to your kid, to your friends, to your clients, to your lifters. Some of you are giants to people across the globe that don't even fucking know you. But you got to keep your glasses on. You got to see what's in front of you. You got to keep adding weight. You got to keep growing. You have to keep trying. You have to keep fighting. You can't take that away from yourself. You know, we want to throw it on people. Like, you can't take that away from me. No. You can't take it away from yourself. You can't stop setting goals. You can't stop being ambitious. You can't stop loving something. You can't stop hating something. It's reality. It's in that suffering. It's, it's in that dig, man. You got to set yourself up every day with that. You got to set yourself up with a plan of attack. It's, it's, it is that weighted carry. It is that sled. It is that mooring bit. It is that keg. It is that stone. Whatever the fuck you want to see it as. It's keeping your glasses on because it's right in front of you, man, and you got to pick it up. I wish I could tell you that I had a fucking game plan for it every day. I wish I had to tell you how to five-step program, which is all bullshit anyway. Mm-hmm. But you get up and you go. This episode was going to be a lot of things for me. I'll be honest with you. It was going to be a way for me to vent because they've become therapeutic for me. And you, John, as well. 100%. They've come to things where I listen only to the last five minutes because I can't stand the sound of my voice long enough. But I listen to that guy and I remind myself I've been through some shit. And just like I look back at other shit, I look back at other endeavors in my life, that is truly the sled for me. And I think, and I hear, guess what? I guess you can say recording makes permanence. Yeah. Because you can't erase this no more. Right. And you know what, man? Sometimes I look back, and I'm three episodes back. I'm like, I see that? And in five years from now, John, we're going to look back, and we're going to look at look at these two kids on this podcast. Yeah. saying shit and I might be like man why would I say that that's dumb but yeah. that's that's the carry you know you gotta keep your glasses on you gotta be able to see forward I told you I said it before about looking back you know and I come this week and all I can tell you is that my eyes are looking forward because that's the weight of the week that's the carry of the day and every day something new and sometimes it's really fucking steep. And I'm like super grateful for that. If you take anything out of this episode, it's to look within. You look within because, yeah, you know what? Everyone can tell you. We came into this world alone and we're going to go out of it alone. But you don't got to get there by yourself. You can build things. You can you can do things differently. You can do your training differently. You can live your life differently. And you have to have that perspective. So, this is MDLP. This is the Battle Axe Podcast saying, don't be a pussy. 
everything ends.